Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And we have a returning guest today who appeared back in May 2021, which was episode 138, which is probably about 15 months ago. Um, So feel free to go back after you listen to this episode um, and listen to our first conversation that we had, uh, like I said, about 15 months ago. Um, So we have Tony Vida, who's the founder, president and CEO of Tectonic Metals, our mineral exploration company focused on the acquisition, exploration, discovery, and development of mineral resources from district-scale projects in politically stable jurisdictions that have the potential to hold world-class ore bodies in Canada and the US. Um, Tony's been in the industry for over 20 years um, and has been involved in a number of developments and acquisitions, um, and is going to give us an update on what Tectonic Metals have been up to since we last spoke and much more. So that's welcome, Tony, back to the podcast. How are you doing, Tony? I'm great. How are you? How are you? I'm good, thank you. As as, as we were saying off air, um, England is going through a bit of a, uh, a um, well, so they call it, uh, uh, a heat wave. Yeah. So um, I'm in the office with no air conditioning, but... We're we're all good. I've got some of the windows open, so there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of air coming through, but we're all good. Um, good, good, good. So, just wanted to give us a quick overview of your background. Obviously, uh, when we first recorded uh, podcast, like I said, fifteen months ago, um, you probably gave us a little bit more in depth. But just wondering if you can just tell us a little bit about about your background in um, in a snapshot. Sure. You know, funny enough, someone just asked me this question yesterday and I was at a conference about two weeks ago. And, you know, the genesis of how the hell do you get in the mining industry is something that gets commonly asked. And for me, it got traced back to the right uh, young age of 21, where I met a individual at a bar and he told me to buy a mining stock. And so uh, I did that actually. And, you know, I took my hard earned money and, and invested in a junior mining company. That was 1995. Um, I thought I was pretty smart because it made a bit of money. I'm like, maybe I got this. Uh, off I went and cut another check. Um, I actually then decided to go get a credit line and borrow to invest in junior mining companies. And this uh, beauty of a scam called Briex happened in 1997. And to put it very bluntly, I, um, how do they, maybe the English say, I got my ass served to me. <laughs> <laughs> we understand what that means. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cross-cultural, cross-country. So I, uh, I wrote off the mining space. I said, uh, these, uh, these companies are all a bunch of crooks and shysters. And 2005, uh, I joined, I decided to try to uh, inflict change. Maybe I could do something different. And I'm going to make sure the company I work for is a legitimate, honest, technically driven company. And I was fortunate enough to um, get hired by this company in 05 as investor relations. And that company was called Kamenak Gold Corporation. And we took that company from uh, a couple million dollars when it was when I joined private. I was the second hire. Uh, they hired a CEO and they hired a geologist, go figure, as their 
as the CEO. I was the second hire and uh, we, i.e. the team, took the company to 520 million in 2016. So an 11-year period, grew the company immensely. We found 5 million ounces, brand new, grassroots, never drilled before up until Kamenak, we drilled the discovery, delineated 5 million ounces. And although that sounds like quite the Cinderella story, um, there was times where we wanted to, you know, sort of slit our wrists. Uh, 08 happened, which was uh, a very much a dire time, and then uh, 2013 as well. So, you know, it's it's not always a, a straight line to the to the top. But that's a bit about my background. And you know, with Tectonic, you know, I'm still, you know, committed to, you know, how can we improve our industry? Is there a better way to operate? Is there a better way? Um, to create value for our shareholders, and you know that is a, a lifelong process. It's, no, I don't. I don't say I have all the answers, but you know, I I do try to. We try to put our best foot forward, and Tectonic is trying to mimic the path that Kamenak was on, and and perhaps slightly different, maybe possibly even even a bit 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 better in the sense of uh, on the ESG front, um, you know, initiating more early and things of that nature. So that's a bit about my background and and why I do what I do. Yeah. One thing, just give us a quick, again, snapshot of uh, Tectonic. Um, and also, I suppose, give us an update since we uh, last spoke 15 months yeah. ago, because I imagine, imagine quite a lot of hap- has happened since then. Yeah, in, in junior mining, a whole lifetime can happen in 15 <laughs> months. Uh, and, and, and that's not just the share price crashing or anything. No, like <laughs> no, no. And, and you know, and, and that's, that's, you know, good and good and bad. We always talk about all the awesome things. And, you know, when I said the word lifetime, uh, we did have something detrimental happen where our chair uh, unexpectedly passed away. And uh, he's in the Indigenous Hall of Fame. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. He was a dear friend as well. But he was someone that I didn't know previously. Um, you know, when we formed Tectonic, we were trying to pick, you know, attributes, skills, experiences of people from a, a diverse range and, and bring independence to the board. And so uh, Mel Benson brought that. He was an oil and gas uh, tycoon um, in the Indigenous um, Hall of Fame, recognized for his philanthropic efforts. And so, you know, he unexpectedly passed away. And and what um, the person that stepped into that role is a woman by the name of Alison Rippon Armstrong. And so, you know, she's not of Indigenous descent. Uh, she is Canadian. But what she brings to the table that, again, is slightly different than perhaps what most companies bring is she's an environmental biologist. And she's also been involved in the permitting of nine mines. She's has a, a, a she currently does work even with the UN right now. So, you know, again, the. Uh, an exploration company is not just about finding deposits or finding economic deposits. There's a whole suite of skills and talent that need to be brought to the table in order to turn a discovery into a successful mining operation. And believe it or not, environmental biologists play a role in that. And also permitting people and community relations. So that that's what Allison brings to the table. She is someone also from the Kamenak uh, pedigree, if you will. And so that that's transpired. We we are in the field. You know, we raised uh, seven million dollars last year. Executed uh, a, a multiple drill program. We announced those drill results. Yes, we found gold. Some really exciting drill results. Um, we've also acquired uh, in the last fifteen months a brand new project. You know, we have to keep our pipeline healthy. 
Uh, I think we often forget, and I rather will remind all the listeners out there that you know, roughly 99% of the projects fail. That's reality. That's not uh, you know, that's not a pie in the sky number. That's reality. So projects fail. You have to have a pretty um, healthy project pipeline. And you also have to mitigate risk. So one of the things that we do that's slightly different is we work directly with native corporations in Alaska on native owned land. We engage early as part of the acquisition process. We say, hey, are you open to mining? Do you want to work together? And so this native corporation is the largest landholder in the state of Alaska. And they actually had a property or a project near the 45 million ounce Donlin gold deposit. And that deposit is currently owned and operated 50-50 by Barrick, the largest gold company in the world, and by Nova Gold. 45 million ounces is probably one of the largest, if not the largest, open pit uh, projects undeveloped in the world. So this mineral belt has the capability to produce elephant-sized deposits and we went looking in that mineral belt and lo and behold, we acquired a project called Flat. And we're really excited about that project because the geological footprint suggests something multi-million ounce potential. There's also 50 historical drill holes, such as uh, 12 grams over 20 meters. There's also a half gram per ton over 80 meters, but it's an intrusion related gold system that the drilling, the golden soils, and the footprint suggest something, you know, of, of um, extreme magnitude. So that's an acquisition that we we made. And we've also annou- uh, announced another appointment to our board of directors. Uh, Alaska, I would say probably Alaska's most well-known resource uh, lawyer. He's been involved in, in working directly with the, the federal government, the state, government, the native corporations, uh, major mining companies and companies such as Tectonic, every major mine, he's played a role in some fashion in the um, in, um, from the legal perspective. So again, a board or a mining company or an exploration company, it's not just about geology, you need the whole gamut. And, and his name is Joe Perkins, and we're quite honored to have him on, on the team. We've also had our um, indigenous partner or native partner or native corporation also uh, along with um, some of our key shareholders, large institutional shareholders such as Crestcat, Gold 2000, they all reinvested in Tectonic and Crestcat and Doyon not only reinvested, they actually increased their share ownership and Doyon is the native corporation. So we're actually being funded not only by quality resource funds, but also by native corporations. So native capital going into a company to go explore on native, excuse me, on native owned land. And we take we took that capital and we're actually now drilling one of our projects, a different project called 70 Mile to Greenstone Belt. Gold deposits and greenstone belts go hand in hand. And we're um, excited and eager. We've sent samples to the lab and now we're waiting patiently and eagerly for the results to come in to see if there could be a bona fide new discovery in there. Um, yeah, obviously you've, you mentioned um, about your one of your previous um, board members passing. Mm-hmm. You obviously have a strong um, relationship with the Alaskan uh, Native uh, Corporation. Um, yes. Doyon um, is obviously one of the first, if not um, 
to sort of pioneer exploration to production agreements um, with obviously uh, native corporations. Just wonder if you can just tell us a little bit about the relationships that you have with them and why it's important to uh, Tectonic. So the, the success at Kamenak was in the Yukon Territory of Canada. Um, you can see sort of the top left, uh, at least from my perspective, maybe uh, maybe from your viewers too, of that, that map there. So Alaska and Yukon share a political border, but not a geological yeah. border. So we had success in the Yukon, but what intrigued me about Alaska is that there are um, very established native corporations that are sophisticated that have interactions or dealings or ownerships or royalties in the mines in Alaska. And I thought, hmm, you know, if we can work collectively together on day one, not when we find something, but on day one, could we do something different? So I actually, you know, uh, pitched to Doyle on this concept of doing a full exploration to production agreement. Now, these these aren't um, these projects that we have, you know, they're they're at earlier stage. Some have never been drilled. Some have few drill holes like Flathead 50 drill holes historically. And so <clears throat> I wanted something all encompassing that would benefit them, us and the local community. So these these agreements took us about 10 months to orchestrate. And it's a, exactly what you have as an agreement. Uh, the equivalent would be like something like an IBA, which is an impact benefits agreement in Canada. And that's typically negotiated around the feasibility stage when you know what the economic what the economics are. So we we basically took the end and placed it at the beginning. And so we have uh, you know, exploration expenditure requirements, annual commitments, but we also have scholarship contributions. So to nonprofit uh, entities, um, the Doyon nonprofit organization that we use to funnel into schools, universities, uh, colleges, students, uh, promoting earth sciences or, or some other initiative that benefit the local communities. We have communication protocols where we're mandated to communicate regularly, environmental uh, protocols or provisions where we have to conduct environmental audits and um, insurance, all like anything you can end reclamation and production and royalties. And so those agreements, um, I think, provide comfort to both parties here, but also to potentially a suitor that, you know, if we did make um, a significant mineral discovery and there was a, a major producing company that wanted to make an acquisition, they don't have to go back to the drawing board. They can actually pick up the agreement and run with it into production. And this is something that is novel and new to my knowledge that hasn't really been done before. Um, obviously, with um, geopolitical tension uh, mm -hmm. tensions rising globally, um, since obviously Russia's invasion of uh, Ukraine um, and obviously increasing uh, friction between China and the threat of um, uh, I suppose the threat to potentially some of the mining industry. Um, where is a project located um, has obviously taken on a, a renewed importance. How does Alaska stack up to to be a place to do business in um, with obviously respect to, to mining? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm biased, you know, because I work in Alaska, but, you know, for me, you know, coming off of this $520 million win, um, and that, I mean, that's the company we was sold. So just to be clear, that wasn't my personal capital. But coming off of a win, we did have choices in front of us of where to work and explore. And our one of our founders, uh, a, a mining entrepreneur and professional, 
um, with an outstanding track record. Her name is Ira Thomas. Um, her, her and I actually were, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what we wanted to do next, where we wanted to work. And the filter that we came up with as both of us were two single parents. So we, we have kids, I have kids, she has kids. Um, but as business partners, we were like, you know, maybe the right filter to utilize is would we take our kids there? And so that's a, a different filter than does this have multi-million ounce potential or is there visibility for a mine? But I wanted something safe and secure. And I, I wanted as an active father to also, you know, be relatively close to my kids. And if I did take them there and expose them what to what to, to what I did, we can all sleep well at night. So that was our filter. But, you know, more specifically to your question, you know, what is Alaska a good project? Well, it ticks that box. It also has seven producing mines. And from a resource potential, it is vastly untapped. Um, we all, I also love rule of law, first world jurisdictions. You know, these, um, again, provide comfort at, uh, to me. Um, things can go astray in first world jurisdictions, for sure. Um, our industry is getting harder and harder, but I would invite everyone um, from investors to actual company uh, executives to look ourselves in the mirror and say, okay, are we putting our best foot forward? Are we just pointing a finger and blaming the jurisdiction? And oh, this month, this, this project didn't get permitted. Well, what did you do? Did you, you know, did you form an exploration production agreement? Did you engage early on day one? Are they shareholders in your company? Um, do you got the, you know, did you create, did you listen to the communities? The communities tell you at day one, we don't want you here. Um, <clears throat> so those are things, those are the questions that we ask. And I do think, you know, you you commented on the war with the, with, you know, the war being Russia and Ukraine. And, you know, there's, there's, there's tensions now between the States and uh, China and, you know, there's tension all, all over in the world. But what what this, the la the latest events have really highlighted at least to me, is that the necessity for looking for homegrown resources. There is a need for resources, whether it's oil and gas, copper, battery metals, critical metals, even gold. You know, if we can um, find those, develop those, and produce them here, then, you know, it's within our sort of con control and our um, countries, um, our homegrown countries get the benefit. And that that to me has been a wake up call. And there has been a movement as of late from local producers, like local, sorry, North American producers to stick to, you know, jurisdictions that offer political safety, less jurisdictional risk, and can be a direct pipeline to support the countries that we live and operate in. So I, I think also on the investment side, you know, we're, you know, we're not letting the geological opportunity trump our investment decisions in the sense that like, okay, this is a great geological opportunity, but it's in a unstable political jurisdiction. There's relation. So maybe, 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 maybe we as investors need to rethink our capital. And there's also this movement again towards ESG because we've recognized that again, it's not just the geology that trumps everything. There's the environmental, the social governance, and there's an ethics behind who we put our capital behind. We want to support, we want to support quality coming. So that movement's been going on for, for quite some time. It's really come to, you know, a box ticking exercise now for resource funds where they're like, okay, we want to see ESG reporting. <clears throat> so I think Alaska is one of the few terrains, like the challenge with North America, it's something, some, one of the challenges that 
these uh, mining jurisdictions like Nevada, Ontario, for example, they're mature districts. You know, they're hard. It's hard to walk in and find a tier one deposit that hasn't been uh, that hasn't been exploited or looked at before. So you kind of have to go further afield, and hence why there was a movement probably you know, 20, 30 years ago to go to overseas and other jurisdictions that perhaps weren't as favorable. But now I think there's a movement going back into like northern Canada, uh, northern United States here with Alaska and other jurisdictions. So I think that trend is not going anywhere right now and it's going to continue to flourish. Yeah. <clears throat> you obviously mentioned Alaska is an untapped jurisdiction for mining. Mm-hmm. Why would... Why would obviously you mentioned and you can see it that um, mining companies are looking at homegrown um, jurisdictions, but if an international company was looking at Alaska, what what would attract a foreign foreign investment to the area? Um, and, and what are, I suppose what are some of the preconceptions that um, mining companies may have mm-hmm. in looking at Alaska as a mining jurisdiction? Yeah. So every, just like uh, every human being possibly has, you know, we have our pros and our cons um, and every jurisdiction is is not a slam dunk. You know, Alaska is not the holy grail. Um, so it, it does have some challenges that uh, need to be dealt with. So it's kind of like pick your poison. For me, political risk, um, you know, bullets flying past my head, terrorism, all things like that, you know, I'm as a father, I'm I'm good. I don't need to go to those places, <laughs> you know, and uh, being in the same, roughly the same time zone. Well, that's, that's uh, advantageous to me. And also uh, when I make my investment decisions, I look at things of that nature. So the, the, the challenges I'll start with that with Alaska is that, you know, there's this Northern climate. So, you know, in summertime, you get, you know, roughly 22 hours of daylight and, and in wintertime, you get uh, 22 hours of darkness. Uh, those are the two extremes you also get um it's full-blown summer there too like right now it's you know it's in celsius for example it's 30 degrees celsius depending where you're situated 25 24 um and you know winter starts to kick in a bit earlier than say a jurisdiction down south but you know you have to deal with cold climate conditions and is that that's uh that to me that's not a, a a negative that's whether it's northern canada Speaking of Russia, has has a, set, a lot of producing mines that operate in that fashion. There's also thing, uh, mines in the Andes and Chile and those kind of mountainous regions. And some parts of you know, the United States too has uh, very extreme cold climate conditions in the in the winter months. Um, other jurisdictions have a rainy season; they can wreak havoc with a lot of the mining operations or heat leach pads and things of that nature. Some jurisdictions have seismic issue where earthquake is and and seismic activities is is an issue so alaska has the seasonality it's sometimes perceived remote it's it can be um it's also perceived as a bit costly um you know so those are the some of the the headwinds uh, against it the positives are alaska has seven producing mines and for northern jurisdiction, um, it has a, a I what I feel to be a really good infrastructure, uh, thanks to the oil and gas industry, the military presence up there as well, the U.S. military presence. It's 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 got pretty for me working in northern Canada. It's got excellent excellent uh, infrastructure. You know the energy or the grid is not tapped out. Um, there's power, things of that nature. There's rail. There's a pipeline, and also on the geological side. 
you know, I said the seven producing mines, there are tier one deposits. So it's always comforting to go into a jurisdiction where you know there's a tier one deposit or tier one mine. And successful mining operations are present in Alaska. You know, the Kinross Fort Knox mine is a great example of that. There's Greens Creek, there's the Pogo mine. Um, these are these are profitable mining op operations. And so that to me is attractive. You know, when I look at uh, the mineral endowment, um, it's it's quite healthy and quite robust. And if you look at the expenditures, exploration expenditures in Alaska, the, the biggest countries that contribute that are uh, the toggle back and forth. It's either Australia or Canada and then U.S., as far as the majority of exploration expenditures that go into the state. And, you know, you're like, okay, well, Australia is a very much a, a mining country. So why are they attracted to that? And I, I, for me, it's the, you know, untapped potential. It's the potential for tier one deposits, the high grade uh, Australians tend to be also explorationists uh, as well. And just like us Canadians. So those are very attractive attributes. I can walk up to a project like flat that has, you know, 12 grams over 20 meters or go to a mineral belt that's hosting 45 million ounces and there's no one around. You know, we moved into the Good Pasture District, which hosts the Pogo mine, also owned by an Australian mining company. <clears throat> and there is not too, there's maybe like three or four juniors in the entire district. This is a 10 million ounce um, gold mine and there's not really anyone else looking. So I can go into a district, acquire land, large land positions, work directly with native corporations, trying to do that in say Ontario, the, the uh, Timmins, Red, uh, Red Lake, Kirkland, those prolific gold belts or the Abitibi, you know, it's very hard to, or Nevada, you know, it's very hard to walk in there and say, okay, I'm gonna grab this massive district scale land position and go up to a mine you know, if Pogo was in Kirkland or Red Lake or Nevada, it, there would be no land position left to grab. And the same is, can be said about Dolan, a 45 million ounce deposit and it's owned by Barrick. You're spending $60 million this year and there's no one around. It's like, well, what the, what the, you know, this makes absolutely no sense. So you do have to tolerate a few things, but, you know, the prize, I believe, outweighs the um, the cons. Yeah. You mentioned uh, how you got into mining by um, having a uh, getting a stock tip and investing. Um, yeah. Do you still invest now? And um, what are your thoughts on sort of the recent equity slump? Although, although just more recently it's starting to uh, slowly recover. Um, what what are your thoughts around that? Yeah. So my you know um, my my investment days. I still invest. Uh, for sure. Um, you know, we we all drink the Kool-Aid and, you know, we love our industry. And so, but I'm not a, as heavy as an investor because just, it, it takes time to manage, you know, multiple investments. And, uh, you know, I, I have three kids and I run a company, so it's it's not a top priority, but, you know, I do dabble. And the current environment to me is very reminiscent of 2008, where there's a massive irrational sell-off and things just got decimated. You know, Kamenak, for example, went from uh, $65 million market cap to $6, 7000000 million market cap. You know, we were trading uh, the lowest six and a half cents. And so, you know, you, you there's, you know, a lot of investors, whether it's on the buying or sell side, are driven by emotions. And right now, fear is rampant. 
And <clears throat> it doesn't make sense. The fundamentals behind the mineral space, in my opinion, are, are quite strong, if not the best they've been in the last few years. But sentiment doesn't necessarily reflect that. So I think if if you had, you know, if you're comfortable with uh, the mineral exploration space, or let's just say the, the gold space and the stage that these projects are at, I think there is definitely um, going to be a re-rating here that will work to your favor. You do have to endure a bit, you know, a bit of uh, maybe discomfort and also um, a bit of uh, volatility. But I do think, you know, come this time next year, things will be in a in a more positive light. Now, is that is that a that's I want to specify that's not just a broad statement that covers the whole sector. You know, you do have to execute discipline and say no to a lot of investments and then pick perhaps the right one. So, you know, looking at a company that, okay, what are your catalysts that you're going to do to, you know, create value and how's the the stock or this company going to go from, you know, a $10 million market cap to a hundred million, you know, are, are you sitting on your hands waiting for a better market or waiting for gold to rise? you know, that is that is that an approach you want to invest in? And I would say, you know, that could happen and things may be rate just on that fact alone. But is the company, you know, sitting on their hands or they're actually doing something? Um, and in our industry, you know, if you're not drilling, you're not finding. And so that is a double-edged sword because drilling is the biggest creation of wealth and it's also the biggest destruction of wealth. So you have to pick your jock- jockeys wisely and be comfortable with with losing that capital or um you know things go astray but uh, i do think you know the bottom is always a great time um you know people ask is this the bottom i'm like well i can tell you one thing it ain't the top <laughs> you know this ain't bitcoin this ain't bitcoin at seventy thousand dollars you know this you know i like i had to buy my son who's 13 years old he bought his first stock and he comes to me dad i want to buy bitcoin i'm like oh my god so he's like i he actually asked me i'm like it's seventy thousand dollars he's like well you think it's going higher i go well i can tell you like you're never going to pick the top and you're never going to pick the bottom, but this sure as hell feels like the top. And, and I can tell you right now, in, in some companies, in the gold space or in the mining space, I'm like, you know, I don't know if this is the bottom, but man, it definitely isn't the top. And I think there's a lot more upside. You know, sometimes you're bi- the biggest, um, you know, the biggest cure for low prices is low prices. And things just aren't making sense. And I, I think, you know, even looking at where we were at say a month or two months ago things have already uh, gone up a bit there seems to be a little bit of a bounce back up here just on a, a re-rating perspective the last month here so those are my two thoughts i don't know all the answers but i, I think if you um you know believe in a company believe in the management team you know there's always money to be made whether it's a bear or bull market you just have to pick and choose wisely yeah, and I think the fundamentals are in favour of exploration because mm-hmm. there is the um, obviously the demand for various minerals, metals, um, whether it's precious base metals. Um, there's been because because there's been an undersupply of exploration in the past for a number of years. Um, they're behind the they're behind the eight ball now. So explorations yeah. is ever more important now than than it ever has been. Um, yeah. And I, I, I suppose, I, again, I speak to so many people um, on these podcasts, um, and I just think the exploration space is going to be pretty busy for the foreseeable future, trying to find these particular 
projects, tier one assets, because obviously it take it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of capital, even though markets go up and down. Um, but it's needed for yeah. humanity to move forward. Yeah, yeah. You know what what's what's really interesting to me, you know, I ask myself, like, how is our industry gonna evolve and grow? And you know, these these mining CEOs, so mining these production companies, the CEOs, like we want tier one deposits, we want tier one deposits, but we're spending very little on exploration. But we want them. And it's just like, okay, well, do you, you know, a tier one deposit, um, you know, at, you know, I think it's 500,000 ounces of gold production per annum for 10 years, um, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, these deposits don't fall out of the sky. They need to be found. They need to be, they need to occur and be discovered organically. So there's been this, there was this movement, hence why we got taken out. Um, there's movement towards, you know, acquiring these assets. So we're going to buy our ounces, we're going to buy ounces. Then the major mining companies were like, shoot these tier, there's not that many tier one deposits left or there's none so let's start buying each other so that starts happening because they need to get their production profiles up to increase their reserves every day of production they're actually depleting the reserves more and more so they're like okay um you know we so we look to each other to grow you know newmont and gold corp merging for example kirkland and Nico. these are huge acquisitions then detour lake got taken out great bear got taken out and now you're looking at the space and you're like, okay, so there's none. So now, okay, some investors are like, okay, or companies, we need to go back to our, our exploration. But the economic discoveries are way down and there's barely any capital, like, you know, going into grassroots exploration. And then what's happened now to add another layer to this um, conversation is that you have these billionaire tycoons, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, they're like, you know, they recognize the importance of, say, battery metals, copper, nickel, cobalt, lithium, so on and so forth. And they're looking to the mining companies and saying, yeah, I think we're going to go do it ourselves. And so they have formed agreements with some mining companies, but these these uh, these individuals have formed companies such as gold, uh, cobalt, uh, Ivanhoe, Electric. They're raising 200 million and they're using, you know, uh, artificial intelligence, they got a team of geologists, and they're funding their own exploration. They're not waiting for the mining companies to get their supply. So they're going to go go after their own supply. And that is something we haven't seen before. And I think in the gold space, that that is also going to transcend in, in some way, shape or form, where, you know, the mining companies need to wake up and, and it's it's happening. But um, I do think that the switch has been turned on, just like the Russia-Ukraine war. Oh, shoot, we should get our own oil and gas locally and not import it. Okay. And so the gold conversation is happening. The battery metals has already taken off. And it's there. Um, we, uh, i.e. our mining industry, is being inspired by the Elon Musk, the Jeff Bezos. And shoot, you know what? Maybe we need to dedicate some resources to go finding these tier one deposits and turning back to early stage exploration. And it's like, okay, well, where are you going to go find the, you know, those opportunities? And there's not a whole lot of early stage, I would say, left in those mature gold belts. You have to look further afield. And hence, you know, places like Alaska, I think, are going to continue to, to attract uh, investors' attention. But we we need to attract investors' capital and people to fund the vision of trying to find that next tier one deposit. Yeah, but I suppose it's hard for junior miners to attract the, the necessary capital all the time. And I suppose it's the larger, larger mining corporations that need to attract the money 
to then filter it down because I, I take it some of the larger mining companies are doing some exploration, but they can't mm. do everything. Mm-hmm. And they rather do the, they rather let the junior miners do the exploration yeah. and then get it to a certain stage before then they go and obviously joint venture with them or or just buy them out completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they've gone on record saying that, you know, that they're going to, they prefer to buy their ounces uh, versus explore for them. Now, they some have done exploration, or they do some exploration, but the reality is the junior mining companies need capital to find, like, okay, we're going to go buy our ounces. Well, who's going to fund that? You know, um, the capital, you know, these ounces need to be funded to, in order to find them. And uh, someone has to put the capital forward, otherwise uh, it ain't happening. So yeah, yeah interesting times ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, so wrapping up as a conclusion, just wondered um, if you can give us a, a, an overview of the next sort of six to 12 months um, of what, what you're up to. Because um, no doubt you'll be, you'll be on in another 12 months and you can give us an update. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how, how do you see the next six to 12 months playing out? Yeah, sorry, and I have a uh, sunlight coming through a window here, so I'm I'm trying to avoid uh, <laughs> the uh, the glare in my eyes here. But you know, the next uh, six to twelve months, what I see unfolding for Tectonic is, you know, we're wrapping up this drill program, so we do have assay results from several zones, um, several targets on this property called Seventy Mile that we expect to start trickling in probably Septemberish. Um, we'll get the first set of results. And so that could be something that could be quite transformational for our company. We are also launching a metallurgical program and an exploration program on that new acquisition called FLAT. And although that's not drilling per se, we do see it as, at least the metallurgy, as a huge de-risk, given that there is already gold endowment there on the property through the historical drilling that took place. The metallurgy is something that's going to de-risk it and potentially add a lot of value to that project. So <clears throat> that uh, the samples have been already s- selected and it's actually literally just got shipped. Uh, it's getting shipped to the lab this week. So we'll get those results in anywhere from, again, we're, we're kind of at the mercy of the labs here and uh, they're feeling the, the pressure um, as a lot of industries are as far as like staff shortages and turnaround times and things of that nature. But We'll get those results in you know probably about three months or so and the exploration results it's a surface campaign those will be trickling in again also in about three months and then we're uh looking to uh you know based on the results and based on the met and exploration results that come in we'll we'll assess you know what the next steps are on those those projects we also um always keep an eye open for new opportunities so that's something that the the next six months could bring as part of our business model we are big fans of partnerships and working with other companies and so that's something that may materialize and also come to fruition but really the the drill results are going to drive how we move forward um in the um you know in the next uh later half of this year yeah tony wish all the well for the remainder of this year going into next year um it's a great obviously story a lot of work yeah. ahead Mm-hmm. Um, and um, obviously wish you well um, moving forward. And that's not leave it 15 months next time. Let's hope we record another podcast uh, beginning part of next year. Um, if our audience wants to reach out to you, um, how can they go about doing that? I know you're mm-hmm. active on across social media as well. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to mm-hmm. let us know how people can get in contact with you. 
Yeah, what I, what I would say about the junior mining space and our company is that you can actually speak with the CEO. You know, you can't get in touch with Jeff Bezos. At least it's pretty challenging to, um, you know, you can you can actually reach out to me and we love interacting with with our investment community. So that being said, you, you know, LinkedIn, we have a Tectonic Metals uh, page. So feel free to sign up or follow us on there. I have my own personal LinkedIn, Tony Retta. And also info at tectonicmetals.com. And if you put an email address to me, um, we do have an investor relations individual as well. So, you know, we'll get back to you and, you know, always open to engage. And on our website, you can actually uh, click book a meeting with Tony. And that is something that, um, you know, I, I love doing. And, you know, as much as I love exploring, I also, one of the benefits of this industry is interacting with with people and and forming new relationships and getting to know our shareholder base. So, please don't hesitate to reach out on those fronts. Yeah, certainly a lot of ways to get in contact with you and obviously yeah. access information uh, and news feed from your company. So um, obviously encourage our listeners to um, reach out to Tony, follow them on obviously the various media channels, go to their website. And if you've got any questions, obviously, like Tony said, feel free to reach out to him um, and they, he can answer any of the queries that you may have. Um Thanks a lot, Tony. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Those that, those that are listening, um, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, we don't. I think we've had um, spoken about Alaska a few times on this podcast, but um, obviously um, Tectonic have got some uh, interesting assets um, that they're uh, obviously looking to develop. So um, appreciate if you can share this episode amongst um, others around the world. Um, Obviously, a great jurisdiction to uh, the companies to consider, um, whether you're in northern Northern um, America um, or even anywhere around the world where you're looking to um, acquire more, more assets. Uh, certainly a um, jurisdiction to consider. So until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.